Guys down the street in Death Valley. South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. The Tigers are halfway through the Catholic slate of their schedule. Clemson is 7-0, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. We are here to recap the Boston College game and look ahead to Notre Dame this weekend. Ben, this was uh, an interesting game. I think uh, DJ Uyunglele stepping into the starting position uh, really held his own. And this was more you know, coming off a week prior when we were questioning a little bit the offense. Um, I thought the offense played well in this one. It was really more, at least in the early going, a game that the defense looked a little shakier. Yeah, it was kind of the opposite of the Syracuse game, right? Where the the defense played well and the offense was shaky. So yeah. vice versa in this game, which is kind of what you would not have expected with DJ uh, coming in at a quarterback in the emergency situation with Trevor being out. Um, but man, he played phenomenal and the defense to their credit, they settled down after those first two drives. They didn't give up. They gave up one touchdown after the first two drives of the game. Uh, they played a little bit more bend don't break in the second half, which, which is what we kind of saw with the Clemson defense, you know, you know, three or four years ago or something like that. Um, and which is specifically beneficial when, or it's a good strategy to go to when you're off, when you're having trouble across the defensive line and getting pressure there, which we were, uh, at least in the first part of this game, especially with Tyler Davis being out. But overall, I think uh, kind of the excitement of this game and how close it was was about what we expected going into it, uh, given everything that uh, uh, that happened with such quick notice, learning Trevor wasn't going to play Thursday. But um, kudos to this team. That's a huge distraction. And Trevor was not the only one out. You know, Frank Latson was out of this game. Tyler Davis, Skalski, Mike Jones, Fred Davis. Um, so... I mean, those are, it's hard to replace those guys. You know, those are talented starters on this team and their backups are all young. So to come out of this with a victory, not only that, to, to go through the adversity um, and, and come back with your largest home comeback win in school history, which is kind of mind blowing to me that it was only 18 points. It seems kind of low, um, but still phenomenal effort, phenomenal comeback by those guys. Super proud of this team. Couldn't agree more. Uh, very, very uh, kind of tail of two halves type game. I mean, Ben, it, the, the defense dominated in the second half, but up until the very end, it was well within reach for Boston College. You know, break one play, and they either take the lead late with not much time left on the on the clock, or um, at least leave Clemson with very little to work with. But uh, defense held their own in the second half. You got to praise the coaching staff for their adjustments and um, really the players for locking in after halftime. Um, but I think you also in this game, Ben, have to praise a little bit Boston College taking advantage of the situation and kind of looking at uh, potentially a distracted Clemson team with the Trevor Lawrence COVID diagnosis uh, coming into that weekend or, you know, this, this past weekend. Um, DJ was named the starter, I think, on Thursday. Uh, not a full week, you know, getting the starters reps in practice. And while Tony Elliott in the post game conference or, you know, the Sunday conference said he didn't change the game plan at all for DJ uh, relative to, to what they had dialed up for Trevor. I just, 
can't imagine that that was the case. And they probably did look at, you know, the, the play calls they were hoping to run against this BC defense and probably cherry pick the ones within that. Um, but yeah, in any event, um, I think that BC was up for this game and they actually sort of ran two different styles of offense against Clemson, like in the early going very pass heavy, um, getting Jerkovich involved and kind of challenging Clemson down the field. And it was successful, you know, two touchdowns out of the gates on offense, largely based on their passing prowess. Um, but exactly the formula you need to be, you know, in upset mode, you need to get all your points early and try and hold on. And I mean, you know, there's other ways to get an upset, but that was the, that was the formula BC was going for here. And they got all the breaks in the world in the first half. I mean, we can look at this and, you know, think back uh, definitely later on, you know, Clemson had some things go its way, which was nice to see that level out a little bit, but um, yeah, early on, just like that, that uh, exchange on the goal line, you know, ETN goes in there. It's a tie ball game. Instead it goes the opposite direction. It's 21 seven. So um, I don't know. It, it was a very kind of eerie first half. I think you're right. You know, in hindsight and well, it was perspective. Yeah, it was Halloween for sure. And, um, you know, in, in hindsight, like after those first two series, like the defense did settle in a bit and then BC ran a seven minute, 42 second series later in the, the first half, um, actually in the first quarter. And everyone's going to remember, you know, at the end of that series, um, John Tessitore, the holder coming up to try and get Clemson to jump offside. And I don't necessarily know that it was his hard count that did it. I think it was just the players bunching up there. Um, that kind of led to that penalty, which was a huge, unfortunate situation. But um, there were enough things in this game, Ben, that I just think it was kind of a sloppy day for Clemson um, from at least in the early going. And there also, there were also some like questionable coaching decisions on the Clemson side too. Well, I think the first thing we have to do is give Boston College, uh, their players and their coaching staff, a ton of credit. You mentioned they came to play and they've got some talented guys like Jurovich is a good quarterback from what I saw. He leads um, or he's in the top 10 in college football in several categories in uh, passing yards, completions and touchdown passes. Um, and they played with grit, man. And, and we're going to get this. We talk about this every single game. We are going to get each team that comes in their best effort. And we're going to have to deal with that and see how long they can hang uh, doing whatever they do, scripting their their first few series, which it seems like Boston College maybe did in this game. Then they seem to get back to kind of their old self. So how long can those teams hang in there? How many trick plays do they have up their sleeves? So we have to be able to weather those storms. Uh, and then things steady the ship a little bit and then go after it and play, play Clemson football. And that's what they did in this game. You know, I think this team's biggest weakness is its youth, right? The talented guys all over the field, all over the depth chart, but so many guys are young and a lot of the, the things, you, the little hiccups you see us have in these games are, are mistakes, right? They're, they're penalties. We had like what, like nine penalties again in this game or something like that. Um, Got to get those down. That's been a, been an issue this year. Obviously you had the ETN fumble at the goal line. Uh, there was um, a little mix up with a the handoff there. It wasn't a clean handoff. So you wonder if that would have happened if Trevor was in there, there's missed tackles. Um, oh, two-point conversion then, situation. Yeah, that two-point conversion, the false start, the timeout, the mixed extra point, all in in one go. So, 
yeah, it's just all little freshmen and, and rookie mistakes that you're seeing out there. And you just got to hope that these guys can, can continue to move past this and clean it up as the season continues to move forward. And now we're turning to the, to the back half of our schedule, looking in Notre Dame, because we've got the talent to win. Um, but can we clean up these mistakes? Because when you get to play elite competition, those mistakes are going to kill you. Now the, the silver lining or the, maybe not a silver lining, but the, the good news is we've, we're going to get a lot of these veteran guys back. Like Davis will eventually be back. Scousey will be back. Um, Mike Jones will be back. Hopefully Jones and Davis back for this Notre Dame game. Um, but, you know, we're going to get those guys back. We're going to get Trevor Lawrence back. So um, that's the good news. But, um, well, and the other silver lining, the actual silver lining is these guys are building depth and they're building experience. And we're going to be able to rely on these guys uh, later in the season as we get into the playoffs. So this is all helpful as long as we continue to win. And the number one goal is, is to win. And we did that on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you kind of have already hit on the two points that I think Clemson fans want to see improve. Number one, it's the health of the team and getting its starters. I need to um, look up the exact stat. I think we only had four starters across both sides, across both sides of the ball who started in the national championship game coming back here and starting in this one against BC. Like that's how run down this Clemson team is. And all we talked about in the early, you know, in the preseason was uh, how many guys were bringing back kind of on both sides of the football. And to only have that, I mean, I think Darian Kendrick was the only defensive starter um, from last year's national championship game. And we brought a lot of these guys back, you know, to, to play in the, or to start in this game. So it, yeah, the, Clemson is definitely thin and that needs to improve, you know, down the stretch. Uh, if this is going to be a playoff contender and a national championship contending team or go on and beat a tough team like Notre Dame on the road. I think the second part that you touched on is just a little bit of malaise, a little bit of lack of focus and things like penalties or really Christmas, I think of, of coaching and decision-making too. Um, and, you know, certainly I think we've, we've discussed a little bit, some of the preparedness and play calling and those kind of things. And I'm a little less worried about the latter, a little less worried about the team getting the right focus, uh, cleaning up injuries, being a little bit sloppy here against teams like Virginia, Syracuse and Boston college. Um, all at points in all three of those games were like, what is Clemson doing? Like they're stuck in the mud. Um, and I don't, I mean, you can call it like, this is a chronic issue this season, but, um, ultimately I think this team rises above that, but the injury bug certainly has hit Clemson pretty hard this year. Well, the injury bug and the COVID bug, right? Um, to be fair, right. all teams are having to deal with this. We're all going through the same thing. And, you know, we hope this wouldn't happen. But at some point, there was always the possibility that Trevor or Travis Etienne went down with COVID. And I think uh, what can be said after this game and seeing how well DJ played is I think Travis Etienne is the most valuable player on this football team. Definitely. The, often. the most irreplaceable, right? Right. At the very least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and congratulations to him, by the way, the, the all-time ACC leading rusher. It was great to, to see that, all these years of hard work. And then also it was really cool that it happened timing-wise right at the end of the third quarter. So there was an extended opportunity, um, pause, oh, yeah. for him, for him to, to get uh, his standing ovation from the fans and his, and his uh, congratulations from his teammates. 100% amazing effort. And I mean, he had a hell of a game, Ben. And if you think about this game where Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, DJ comes in and starts. I mean, DJ did have a great game. We can get into his stats when we talk about the offense here, but 
uh, ETN by his own right had an amazing game. And that's like harkens back to the Syracuse game with Chase Bryce coming in. Chase Bryce gets a ton of credit for that win and he deserves it. ETN was the workhorse in that game. Like we won that game because of Travis ETN and we won this game because of Travis ETN. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, to DJ's credit though, when's the last time we had our starting quarterback go down um, for an entire game, like from the beginning of the game and had to have the, the backup play from the beginning. It has I mean, it's, it's the Russell athletic bowl against Oklahoma, right? Yeah. We haven't had to deal with it often. And so for the fact that this team was able to overcome it. So, and I attribute some of these mistakes and lack of focus is a little bit, it's a little bit concerning that there was a bit of a lack of focus given that we kind of saw the same thing in the Syracuse game. We don't often have two games in a row like that though. Again, that being said, it was the offense in the Syracuse game. It was the defense in this game, but you have to take that with a little grain of salt because get losing Trevor on Thursday. It's, it's a tough and it's a huge distraction for the team and to be able to pull together and rebound that quick BC comes out hot, goes down and scores first. Haven't even seen your freshman quarterback on the field yet. So that has to drive some jitters into you make you a little bit nervous and distract you a little bit. Team pulled together ultimately. It's no excuse. These mistakes still need to be fixed, but I think that definitely was a factor. Right. And the injury bug too. So basically right. on the defense, um, maybe you could say distraction or sloppiness. I think also just a lack of cohesion and a lack of that same personnel kind of clicking and playing together throughout the year. Uh, I, you know, we'll definitely touch on or drill in a little bit more into who got the majority of the snaps on defense, you know, backing up for guys like Mike Jones, Jr. And Tyler Davis. Um, but yeah, I think just it probably was, I mean, he, you know, Trevor Lawrence, the vocal leader of this team and to see that happen to him that late in the week, um, I think probably played a role also, Ben, I mean, I don't want to be too critical. Like the team has been doing a lot of extracurricular like video recording and stuff. Like right. you probably saw the office, James Skalski thing. Okay. James Skalski's out with an injury, whatever. Um, but then a Joe, Joe's thriller, amazing production value on that. It's awesome. At the same time, like that stuff's happening during the season. Like save that stuff for the bye week I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be a Grinch here, but Talk about distractions on the team. Well, it's good, though, to, to have that atmosphere of just being loose. Um, the, yeah. The, there's, plenty, there's plenty to be said for it. The, the, culture, the culture of the program and all of that. So I, I enjoy it. Like, I love watching Dabo dance after this game. Like, it doesn't matter how good we are or how long we've been good for and how much better we are than most other teams that we play when you have a game like this and to see him so excited about the wind, it's awesome to see. And again, this was one of the most exciting games that we've seen in a while from, from, uh, you know, from a Clemson football uh, game. So uh, it was fun. It was certainly a fun win. And I don't know about you when we were down, we were knew we were going to go down at halftime. I still had confidence this team could come back and win the game. Especially when we got going on that last drive of the second or the first half, it was like, Go down, get a field goal. You get the ball back to start in the second half. Go down then and score a touchdown, and then you're you're down by eight. Like, you're in the game. You're right there, and you knew all those things were certainly possible because DJ had a great first half. He had been moving the ball, and there was nothing – you know, we were only going to stop ourselves on offense. 
So you knew that was certainly possible. And then you just had to trust Brent Venables would get together, uh, get it together. And it's not hard to put your trust and believe in him. So I still right. felt okay. Now, if we're in the same position against Notre Dame next week, I'm probably not going to feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, Dabo always talks about when the, the middle four, the, the middle four minutes, two minutes, uh, or is it the middle eight? Middle eight. Four minutes to end the first half, first four minutes of the second half. And BC was busy running an eight-minute drive, you know, as that first uh, four minutes in the first half kind of reared its head. But I agree with you, like Clemson moving down on a 10-play drive, you know, they had a short field. It was 42 yards until uh, BT Potter hit that long field goal. Um, and man, what a what a shot in the arm that was for the team to see him go down. And was it a 50-yarder, Ben? It was 50, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an incredible kick. Uh, BT Potter is making it, you know, standard procedure or something we should expect. But Well, and good to see that it wasn't, you know, there was no issues with it being blocked because after, what was it, the Miami game? Yeah, Miami. Uh-huh. Yeah, where we had those blocks. Good to see them shore up that that line there because, you know, with those longer kicks, you got to keep a low trajectory on the ball. So they're much easier to block. You got to get some distance out of it. So you got to keep it low. And yep. yeah, no, that was great for him to be able to hit that. And it's just, it's awesome having a kicker who you trust can make that kick and has the leg for it. Like he could probably hit one from 60. So that's well within his range. And he's shown yeah. much improved accuracy this year, especially on his long kicks. He's more accurate on his long kicks. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, great to get that. I mean, I think if, you know, somehow that one, you know, 50 yard, you can miss those and it, it's not that of the world. Um, that would have been an 18 point deficit going into half. And like, look, Clemson did get the, the ball back, but um, with 18 18 points, BC had just come off running, you know, an eight minute drive. This can quickly get into a game of does, will Clemson get enough possessions? Thankfully, you know, they cut it to a 15 point lead at half. Clemson comes in, runs a nice, you know, perfect seven play drive um, to start. Really, they get two touchdowns on the first two drives of the second half. And um, I think once Clemson kicked the field goal at the end of the first half, I think everyone, uh, some of the upset watch stuff started started to dissipate and that was definitely the case after the first two series. Uh, so uh, what was awesome though, about the first um, series of the second half or the third quarter was that DJ 30 yard run. I mean, I think we, um, we really started to see the coaching staff kind of open up the playbook a little bit and in spots, you know, start to get DJ involved in the running game. Exactly. No, that was and really smart of them, actually, to kind of hold that until it was absolutely needed. Ideally, they would not have run him all at all in this game. He's still uh, recovering from the shoulder injury that kept him out of the uh, Syracuse game. Or no, was he in the Syracuse game? Uh, uh, he, the, the game prior. He sat in the Georgia Tech game. The Georgia yeah. Tech game. Yeah, and he played uh, in the Syracuse game. They didn't run him then. So he's still dealing with that injury. And of course, you know, when you're down Trevor Lawrence, it's one thing to to, to risk and running when Trevor Lawrence is still out there playing. But at this point, like DJ's DJ's your last option. I don't, I don't think Tyson Pumachan, I, I don't know whether they have a game plan for an emergency situation where he has to come in and lead the team, but we just haven't, you saw DJ passing in this game. Tyson is, is nowhere close to that. So, uh, well, but, but the times they did use the, the quarterback run were super successful. And that, that touchdown um, obviously, and what that was on fourth and one, right? Yeah. Yeah, fourth and one. Um, amazing to I, 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 it was a read option, right? So he had the option to hand off to ECN. It was a great know, read. It was a great read by DJ. Amazing. I love the play call. Uh, so we got to give Tony Elliott credit for that. And look, like 
Travis Etienne probably would have gotten the first down there and Clemson probably would have marched down the field and continued, but why not get all 30 yards there in one go with DJ? And, um, you know, he, he didn't exactly, you know, put on the afterburners, but the dude can move. Yeah. And Hey, kudos to the, the coaching staff for going forward three times on fourth down and kind of, um, that one, yeah, there was yeah. one Leaving down it all out the there. goal line. There was one, I think yeah. more towards midfield and then converted all of them. So great job on that. Um, how about, I, I want to say great job. Big Dave, big Dave, you, you, DJ's dad, um, looks like his mom and dad went out to the game for this one. He was featured a lot on the broadcasts. Props to big Dave. Love big Dave. It was funny. DJ blocked him on Twitter because he says, you know, big Dave is all about the, the media spotlight and stuff like that. He loves engaging. His mom doesn't like the media and just prefers to kind of stay in the background. And DJ is, more like her in that way. So he's had to block him just so he doesn't see all the stuff activity come up on Twitter. So that's pretty hilarious, but um, yeah, no, they're all in on Clemson. It's, it's awesome to see. We're certainly glad to, to have DJ and his family be a part of this program and part of the tiger family. And yep. what a phenomenal day for them. I'm really, really happy for them. Yeah. So awesome day all around, um, you know, certainly tighter than I think most Clemson fans would have liked, but you know what, Ben, it was good to feel once again, it was good to feel vulnerable. Like this team could potentially lose a regular season game. I'd much rather have a win like this than blowing teams out by 30 every single week. And then being told you guys play a cupcake schedule. Um, you know, you're not battle tested for the playoff, all of that. I feel like this team has now started to face a little bit of adversity and has risen above that and they can build on that. Yeah. And again, this Boston college team, I think they're going to be good. They're heading in the right direction. Um, with the coach from uh, Ohio State, Jurovich, what came over from transfer from Notre Dame, right? Yeah. Um, yep. So it'll Jeff be Hathley. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do with that program and getting it turned around. So and they they the play big fear. The big fear that they have, and that I've talked to several friends that went to BC, is that you know the more competent Halfley looks the more he's going to get poached by other other bigger programs well that's um, how it works when you're at boston college totally you just hope you can stay around for three years maybe get your program yeah. going in the right direction but regardless i mean point being kudos for their effort in this game yeah uh, they gave us a test and fortunately the tigers prevailed definitely well uh why don't we just hit some highlights from the offense I think with this one, Ben, we already talked about it. Um, you have to begin with the game that DJ had in his first career start. Um, flawless in terms of no picks. He had three touchdown passes and a touchdown run and threw for 342 yards. So uh, big Cinco, great game in this one. And I think he really showed a good amount of patience, kind of held, held, held in there in the pocket. Um, only I think BC only had something like two sacks. Um, so in that regard, our offense, one sack, yeah, and like two tackles for loss. So they were not necessarily getting pressure. Um, Want to give kudos to the offensive line for keeping DJ upright in that regard. And I think he showed a pretty good amount of poise um, in this game. And he also, on occasion, put on display the absolute cannon of an arm that he has. We just keep rolling him in. Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. But um Still ran off 74 plays in this game. You talked about the play calling, calling early on. So that's a little bit low. I think 80 is around the target where we'd like to go for. So we got close to that. But um, 
you know, I, I'll believe that they didn't change the game plan, but I imagine that they pulled some stuff out. Uh, it made it maybe a little bit simpler, um, still with the same overall philosophy and how you're going to attack Boston College, but just uh, bringing the strengths, right? Yeah, making it a little bit easier for, for DJ, at least at the get-go. I think they slowly they stretched him out in this game, giving him manageable throws. Uh, they grew his confidence there in the early going. Um, and then they even kept going to the left after he was sailing them high earlier on. So good to see them still going back to that and keeping BC honest on that yeah, side and that, him start to be able to connect on him. Yeah, that's that's one thing I wanted to call out that that was kind of mentioned by Greg McElroy earlier in the in the broadcast. And um, how did he fare kind of later on on those throws? Ben was he starting to connect and be, look a little more accurate? Yeah, they were getting a little bit closer to the wide receivers. Um, okay. <laughs> like Cornell yeah. Powell had to go up for one uh, yeah. once, but uh, again, good. I mean, obviously the coaches believe he can make that throw, so maybe a little yeah. uh, mechanical adjustment or just you know, it's in his head, who knows, but they keep going back to it. Keep BC honest on that side. And the coach is having full confidence in, in him that he can connect on those. So it was good to see that, you know, they weren't giving him the same Liberty to change the plays of the line of scrimmage that Trevor would had. He was probably for the most part going with his first reads. They were doing a really good job setting up with quick plays to get the ball out of his hand quick. Um, they succeeded. And yeah, that cannon of an arm, man, he was putting balls exactly where they needed to be. He was throwing them on a rope where only his guys could get them. Um, had some nice downfield passes to ETN and, and Cornell Powell and had a great read on that fourth and one play for the opening TD of the, the second half we already mentioned. So, and also ETN's first score uh, to find him out there in the flats. So yeah, just amazing game. I mean, he's he's as advertised, if not more. And, you know, I think we can feel confident going into the Notre Dame game after seeing what we saw with DJ, that quarterback isn't going to be the issue in that one. Yeah, hopefully not. Um, I do think Notre Dame's defense is probably two clicks better than Boston College here, uh, just in terms of talent, speed, and probably, you know, the misdirection that they're going to throw at a freshman quarterback like DJ. Um, so I'm probably expecting a little bit of a step back just in terms of some of the execution. And he probably won't end the Notre Dame game with kind of a flawless uh, resume, but you know, I, I think you, you saw enough promise there that Clemson's not going to have to just completely change the offense um, right. to cater to his skills, which well, helps tremendously. Well, he got his first start out of the way and he faced adversity and had to, to, amount of comeback like the largest <laughs> home comeback in school history so you have that and or is how many people is uh, notre dame allowing in the stands in south bend are they allowing any right now after their big covid outbreak on campus i think it's pretty limited uh yeah I, so I you're they, not going allows they're only allowing three opposing media members to come to the game so, i know that wow so so yeah, I mean he's so, yeah, going, it's gonna, not going to yeah, be a it's, not going to be a raucous environment. It's not point. yeah. So um, it actually sets up quite well. Um, it's still going to be a big game. It's still a very important game. Should we lose, sure. we have the opportunity to play them again in the ACC championship game. So it's not the end of the world, but certainly good that we got this BC win because had we lost this one, then we certainly cannot afford to lose next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well. Yeah, just in terms of kind of scheming against DJ, 
if I was the Notre Dame coaching staff, I would definitely try to make him beat you with throws uh, away from, you know, his dominant arm. And again, like we'll, we'll get into the Notre Dame preview, but um, I think for the Clemson coaching staff, I think this week is all about, you know, getting him ingrained with the starters on offense and finding room in the playbook for him not to have just his first read and that's it, you know, first read, then tuck the ball and run. Um, That's not what we want out of DJ. So how can they sort of work in this, in this additional week of preparation for Notre Dame um, to get him game ready. But I, I have full confidence in Brandon Streeter, Tony Elliott, um, Dabo to get this thing figured out. Yeah. It's, it's less concerning uh, from the quarterback play. Again, there's only so many, so much high praise you can give to DJ in this game, like just all around phenomenal game. And we're lucky. You know, not, not every team has a guy like that who can come in. You know, you've got Trevor and DJ, you had, you had Jalen Hurts and Tua. Right. Um, there's not many other programs in the country that can. Well, lose. you got Ohio State from 2014. Exactly. Yeah, where they just kept rolling out guys. Back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but it's not often you can lose the best player in the country and still look like that and produce like that on offense. So phenomenal game yeah. all around. Well, and Ben, you mentioned earlier, like, oh, we're going to get TL back. I mean, you know, some stuff has come out this week. I think Matt Connolly at the state uh, did a, a sit down interview with Xavier Thomas he's really at about a five month recovery from COVID. Right. And, um, some, you know, strep throat sort of hit him pretty tough over the summer. And honestly, you know, XT is not back at a hundred percent and he had COVID in April. Well, so Justin Foster dealing with it too. Right. So like we're all, you know, optimistic, hopeful, confident, you know, that Trevor Lawrence will bounce back from this, but, um, man, you know, and again, like all that matters is that he makes a full recovery. Like, he may be wise to sit out the rest of the season just to ensure that that happens for his future and not even future on the football field, but yeah, I don't think he will, but ultimately, you know, that is the most important thing. And we as Clemson fans and really like football fans and human beings need to just put that as priority. Number one. Absolutely. I just, I do wonder though, if it's the larger guys are a little bit more susceptible to the, uh, the after effects of COVID could be. Um, yeah. So much of it is also dependent just on like, there's, you know, there's just like, uh, every, everyone's health situation is different. Right. So, Underlying health conditions. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So, but in any event, I mean, you know, from a Clemson football lens, if Trevor does take a while to come back, like you do feel good about what DJ brings to you. And I think you would agree with me in saying that you can win a national title with, this version of DJ as your quarterback. Well, we did it with Trevor, his freshman year. So yeah, absolutely. It's possible. It's about what the rest of the team around him can do. And I think one area that we're still salivating for improvement on is in the running game. You know, a lot of time our rush offense and our run blocking at the line, it looks like a bunch of five-year-old kids playing soccer. You know how like they just form in groups around the ball and that group just kind of slowly moves um, back and forth in the same spot on the field. And it just seems so jumbled up up the middle a lot of times. That's what it reminds me of. That said, I am glad that we continue to stick to the run. You may only get three yards on first down, but that was a smart move in this game. You didn't want to be not moving the ball on first down, end up with second and 10, third and 10, or having negative plays. So smart to take those consistent three yards and set DJ up and the rest of the offense up 
for success. So, um, and I think you have to keep the Boston College defense honest. This offensive line has been fantastic in pass protection all year long, but uh, all year long. But um, it, you know, this game kind of seemed like the worst run blocking of the season. But I, I have to think the Boston College was also selling out to stop it. Right, I think so too. I mean, they they did have a pretty solid front seven as well to work with, and um, they were keying in on the runs. So. So Notre Dame runs a three, four by contrast, but very aggressive linebacker core. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, really tall task with Notre Dame. On the other hand, I think where Notre Dame is vulnerable is, and Boston college definitely was too, is with Travis Etienne in the passing game and both, you know, in terms of short screens, but Travis Etienne in this game, Ben was getting involved downfield. He was lining up at the X position. And I think at the Z as well. And, uh, you know, showing out downfield, making catches, going up, grabbing balls. Uh, DJ put it right on the money. So, you know, this kid continues to marvel, you know, continues. I continue to marvel at what Travis Etienne can do on a football field. Yeah, he's, you know, he's come full circle, right? He's a five tool back at this point. He can do everything. And this isn't the first time you saw him uh, run some deep ropes this year. He's done it before this year, and he's been phenomenal. He did have that one drop uh, uh, on the field goal drive to close out the second quarter, which I thought had he – I think he took off a little bit too quick and turned his head and, and took his eyes off the ball. But had he been able to bring that in, he might have gone for a touchdown there right before the half. But, you know, that's, that's nitpicking with Travis Etienne. Again, so great to see him get the ACC record. I don't know why he's not getting – more Heisman consideration in the polls, but whatever at this point, I think after this yeah. game, the Heisman hope may be done at Clemson, which is actually quite phenomenal given that we have both of these guys on the, on the, on the same team and have had them for, you know, seven combined years, but whatever, uh, the, the goal it's an annoyance and yeah, the yeah. goal, the, the goal at the end of the season is to win the national championship. The Heisman is not one of those goals, so we'll just have to deal with it. So, yeah, another great game receiving by Travis Etienne. Uh, there is such a drop-off at running back after him. Like, Lynn J. Dixon is just – he's not getting it done. Um, he doesn't have the same burst. He doesn't have uh, the the kind of the stature that Etienne, the, the good, like, muscular weight that he's put on to be able to take some tough hits. Um, he did a better job at turning some outside runs up in this game, though he didn't get it very far. Yeah. Um, Ches Malusi was also out in this game. Ches Malusi was yeah. out in this game and he's shown yeah. a lot of potential this year. So anyways, yeah. that's again, going back to my earlier comment, why I think Travis Etienne is the most valuable player on this team. Now I think I can't believe we've gotten this long this episode to mention this, but what a game Cornell Powell. He has gotten yeah. better and better as the season has gone along. And how crucial was he, was he in this game? He was what the leading pass catcher with 11 receptions. At one point he was 10 of 10. 10 receptions on 10 targets. I don't know what his final target number was. I don't remember him missing a ball, but just he's playing with confidence. He's living up to his potential. He showed great hands in this game. Um, his effort, dependability, it's just really proud of that kid. He stuck it out. We've talked about this before, but he just continues to show and get better. And he was a very important part of this game. We don't win if not for the plays that he's making. Yes, he has played such critical role stepping up when there really isn't that obvious, uh, you know, boundary weapon thus far in the season due to some injury and um, just kind of 
you know, growing into the role that Frank Latson's needed to do. And Cornell Powell has just been there, you know, very, he's started to become like the dependable, reliable, consistent guy that we always look to Hunter Renfro to do during his, his time on the team. And, um, I, I don't think any of us really expected him to, um, get to that level here, but great to see him do that really after five years in the program. Well, and we even had our doubts after a few games into this season, right? But the kid is, he just continues to get better. So we shouldn't doubt him at this point. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Great on him. Amari Rogers was Amari Rogers making great plays like he always does. It's dependable as he is. It's interesting to see that the coaches are getting more comfortable with EJ Williams. I know he was in there more in this game because Frank Lanson was out, but you know, it's really disappointing to see Nagata not uh, come on any faster than he has. I don't know if he's still dealing with that abstract or what the deal is, but you really hope that, that he was going to be a bigger part of this offense, but great to see EJ Williams come along and make some critical catches and uh, help to plug those holes. Indeed. Kind of a quiet day from the tight end position, Ben. I think that's going to be another wrinkle that'll be good to get worked into this offense, um, particularly against Notre Dame. So uh, we just, you know, need to continue to be a versatile offense so that they're not just, you know, stuffing the box and shutting down ETN. Yeah, well, Galloway has to do a better job in run and run blocking as well. It's not all on the offensive line. He had some issues in this game. So as much as yeah. we need him out there to run routes and, and make catches, um, we also need him in there to be physical in the, in the blocking game. And he's um, he's had some issues this year. I mean, he's been he's also had some great plays. Um, but again, something that he needs to continue to improve upon. This is his still second year playing college football. We got to remember that even though he's been around the team for three years. So that'll, that'll get better, but he had some issues in this game. Yeah. Clemson, uh, once again, had a really good day, I think on third down, um, as well, just continuing on, uh, you know, from a, a really good, you know, third down efficiency, there are seven of 16. So, um, maybe a little bit of a step back from their season average, you know, credit to Boston college for some of that, but Clemson's still kind of getting it done on third down. Um, Notre Dame is like number fourth in the country at third down defensive efficiency versus offenses. So um, it's going to be a little bit of a strength on strength matchup this weekend. I would look to that stat as something that probably will dictate the outcome of the game. Um, so, hey, well, and all the more reason to be successful on first and second downs. Like you don't want to set yourself up with the third longs, especially not in that game. Yeah. And I imagine Notre Dame will want to be aggressive on those. Like how can you anticipate that and make them pay, you know, on those downs? It's called Travis Etienne, the leading rusher and receiver in this game. That's right. Um, Well, excellent day for the offense. Ultimately kind of took, took a while to get that going, but Clemson put up the 21 points in the second half after 13 in the first half. Um, Yet another 30 plus point showing from this offense. So, uh, you know, Offense still didn't miss a beat with DJ. Ben, why don't we flip it to the defense? So in this one, completely a tale of two halves. Uh, BC scored 14 points in each of the first two quarters, and then goose eggs um, the last two in the game. Really, though, this was about a you know a, a team with less talent uh, coming out and throwing their best punch at Clemson, landing that punch early you know, scoring touchdowns in the first two drives, getting a defensive touchdown soon after that and imposing their will on an eight minute series at the end of the second quarter. 
uh, to score yet another touchdown. You know, again, credit to Boston College's coaching staff. I thought they uh, really had a great game plan, executed that well, and knew their strengths, uh, kind of found their right weaknesses in Clemson's talent on a defensive end. So, um, you know, they did what they needed to do in the first half. Uh, but ultimately, I think the defensive adjustments, the talent for Clemson, and probably BC blinking to some extent on how aggressive they were, uh, led to Clemson being able to make the comeback and a shutout in the second half. BC came out on all cylinders, man. They were firing. Uh, they, what were they? They passed on every play on the first drive, um, which is really a smart thing to do. Take advantage of the fact that we don't have a pass rush or as strong of a pass rush with Tyler Davis not in there. So I thought it was smart game planning from the get-go. That first TD they had was a hell of a catch. They also had another great catch in the end zone. I can't uh, remember if it was the second or third or fourth score that they had. Um, but the defense eventually calmed down. We talked about Jurovich's stats. And listen, we held him to 50% passing, which is 10% below his season average. So there were some bright sides in this game. I mentioned after the first two drives, they only scored one offensive touchdown. Um but a lot of things to clean up in this game. Still some concern heading into the Notre Dame game, specifically guys like uh, Davis and Skalski and, and, and Jones. I think bigger than anybody, it's going to be Davis. And I think you really see the effect of that in some of our poor pass coverage. I think a poor pass rush contributes to that. And that's what we're seeing with Tyler Davis out. Um, but the adjustments, they didn't even, Venables did not wait to the second half to make adjustments. The adjustments happened after the first uh, two drives. They really started to, it looked like they started to keep things in front of them, like kind of that old bend don't break defense that we've seen in the past. Um, and BC's tempo really slowed down. They were moving much faster at the beginning of the game. So, you know, I think once again, we weathered that first storm, the defense kind of got their legs on there and having to replace so many guys, I thought in the long run, you know, after you take those first couple of drives out of it, they actually played pretty well. Completely agree, Ben. And I, I was wondering kind of in the second half, BC just really couldn't get it going again. And could it be that that tempo early on, um, not being able to match the physicality of Clemson for 60 minutes was starting to catch up with, with BC and with their O-line. Yeah. Um, I imagine that that did play a part. Um, we haven't mentioned it yet. Uh, the best defensive play of the game happened really on the last defensive play of the game, uh, which was the safety. And I think, you know, that throughout the game, um, sort of the number of offensive plays that BC was running and the tempo that they ran with early um, ultimately led to Brian Brzee um, being able to break into the backfield, uh, nearly get a sack for a safety um, on Phil Jerkovich. And anyway, that was just the most incredible. Well, he did get the, he did Brzee. get the sack for the safety. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, was it, was it called a an intentional grounding though? Like no. that's why it was. A safety oh, play. oh, okay. Well, I either, mean, either way, he blew up the play. Yeah, technicality. It was all on him. Uh, creative play calling there by by Venables. Uh, Brze pulled a stunt on that one. You know, from a nose guard position, which is you don't see that very often, especially with the with a three four. I would think uh, pulled yeah. a stunt, got matched up on the running back on the outside, and blew right through him. It looked like the um, left tackle tried to get over, but just got a shoulder on him. And after uh, Brise was free, there was uh, Jerkovic had 
no chance in the world. And that, that takedown was amazing. Oh, yeah. um, and, but the athleticism of a guy like that coming from nose tackle and be able to, to get around to the outside as quick as he did and get into the backfield, that was, that was huh. a, a great thing to see. It didn't even register in my mind at that point that we were gonna have to, they were going to have to kick the ball to us and there was going to be an onside kick and they might actually be put in better position to score uh, should they get it. And it was a close one. It looked like um, Kendrick went after it and it bobbled it a little bit. But uh, yeah, what a beast. Versailles gets better and better as the season goes along. And, and this is the play. This is the play that we all envisioned, you know, when he joined this right. team was, yeah. You know, get it, getting free, like get him free against the quarterback, see what he can do. Um, I'm shocked. I mean, Jerkovich getting that ball out. Don't know how many people would be able to do that. Uh, Jerkovich is six, five, like two fifty, <laughs> and Brzee tossed him down like a rag doll. Right. Exactly. And not only that though, what I also want to commend is he didn't hot dog right after that play. He stayed focused. He was like, where'd that ball go? Like, yeah. if that's a fumble, I got to get that fumble. And he did. He picked the ball up when it got knocked down. Um, and it he, ultimately he was. The, he didn't get the sack or the fumble recovery for a score. They gave it to a penalty. Yeah, exactly. So Come I know. On. Come on. Yep. But, uh, you know, Brizzy, amazing play. Really good to see him start to come into his own. Um, unfortunately, you know, kind of sticking with the defensive line, we did, you know, on silver lining, we did see Xavier Thomas um, come, come into this game and make an impact. Unfortunately, though, he was ejected for targeting. Um, a little bit of a, I mean, you know, in slow motion, yes, not a wise play by him to jump up to make the block and then come down with his his helmet yeah. um, in the Jerkovich. But, you know, bang, bang, play. Um, he got caught. In I can't between. really fault him. Yeah, he, he got caught. In he got caught in between trying to make a decision of what he was going to do. You're right. He went up to look like to bat the ball down and change his mind real quick. And as he was coming, I mean, on, if that goes on if top of tucks that ball, well, if he tucks that ball yeah. and runs like dropping his head like that might've been a good play and might've yeah. gotten a tackle. It wasn't so, an egregious spearing somebody or leading with your helmet. Right. He didn't launch himself leading with his helmet. He launched himself the block and passed and dipped his head when he changed, yeah. once he changed his mind. So, I mean, super unfortunate, good to see Xavier Thomas getting meaningful minutes. He's, he's getting more and more of those. He had the one, uh, he had the big play right before that, the tackle on, on Jerkovich. So unfortunately he's going to be out the first half of the Notre Dame game, but, He'll be back. Uh, he'll be yeah, back in the second half, and, it, and he'll be well-rested. He was not going to start in this game on Saturday to begin with. You know, right. I, I, I'm certain we would have seen him at some stage in the first half. Um, but, yeah, he'll be a little bit more rested and, honestly, Ben, like potentially more focused to come in and make an impact. So we, we do wish Xavier Thomas, you know, additional health in his recovery here um, from complications from COVID and – Again, like we're ready to see XT get unleashed uh, on, on opposing offense. He gets in shape. That's our secret weapon along the uh, the defensive line. At this point, everybody else is a pretty known commodity. Yeah, Ben, I know you mentioned Tyler Davis's impact on the rest of the D-line kind of playing into their role, playing to their strengths. Then you can have Brzee at that three technique, um, you know, with Tyler Davis playing the zero technique. And and you can have Miles Murphy and you can have Justin Maskell. Apparently, you know, he's going to be our guy for the season, you know, play to their strengths. Whereas, you know, when we're, when we're running backups in there, then it is a little bit more like guys being asked to stretch beyond their core job. And, 
the role you mentioned his impact on kind of the, the pass rush definitely valid from collapsing the middle and, um, you know, drawing double teams and what that means for everybody else. I also think though Tyler Davis's contribution in the running game is just critical. And you saw on that seven, seven minute, um, seven minute Boston college series in the second quarter that went for 15 plays and 75 yards, you know, they, they were passing the ball a little bit on that, but there was a stretch there around midfield where they ran like five, six plays in a row and just got four, five, six, seven yards, chunk plays at any given moment. And Clemson's defensive tackle position had no answer for that. On the good news, a lot of these things were isolated events. You know, they, they do that for a drive and then you wouldn't see it happen the rest of the game. So that's the fortunate part about it. But yeah, that just goes to show you how valuable Tyler Davis is, especially as Brian Perse is, is still learning this position and he's technically playing out of position. He should not be, uh, he should not be the nose guard. He should be the three tech a, a defensive tackle at best. And, or no, that's his ideal position. And that's with him coming in last year uh, from high school as being a defensive end. So he's only learning a new position. He's playing that new position out of position. Um, yeah. as far as that's concerned. So, but I mean, he made an impact in this game, but I'd still love to see Tyler Davis get back in there heading into this weekend. Yeah. I believe he had an ankle injury. Um, was it in the Syracuse game or Georgia Tech? I can't recall. No, cause he was not, he didn't play Syracuse. So it was game before that. Okay. Yeah, it was the Georgia Tech game, which is completely unfortunate because that was such a blowout, and we probably yeah. should have. And going forward, I mean, let's keep, let's you know, treat Tyler Davis with kid gloves here. But uh, again, I think he had a, a knee situation on the opposite leg earlier in the season, and most recently an ankle. Um, super, super bummer. Uh, I read something like Anna Hickey um, from two four seven or twenty four seven Sports covers Clemson. Um, she was talking a little bit about the Notre Dame matchup and just reading some of her comments before we hit record here. Looks like she is not super bullish on Davis playing in this game. So we'll continue to follow that throughout the week. But I guess, Ben, like my question for you is Notre Dame, their offense is predicated on the run. Ian Book still does not have weapons in the receiving game, nor is he capable of finding them. He does scramble a good amount. Um, and he's successful at that. And, but they're, they're also just a ground and pound running offense. And I, I just think, you know, some of the, some of the worst episodes we've seen of the Clemson defenses here can rear their head against a much more talented Notre Dame team. So not having Tyler Davis, I think that is going to be a situation where that, that puts that much more pressure probably on our linebacking core, to be honest. I think we know we're going to get out of, you know, the incumbent DTs, Miles Pinckney, um, apparently Jordan Williams is also not hundred percent playing in this game this past weekend. So hopefully he can also continue to get on the mend a little bit, but I think that is going to be a situation where, you know, the, the scheme is going to need to fit in, you know, the role of other guys that help stop this run it, likely in the back seven. Well, the good thing is, and Tiger Illustrated had an article about that uh, today that makes me feel better is Notre Dame is still very one-dimensional on offense and Britton Venables is very good at shutting down one-dimensional offenses. So, right. I still, yeah, still, still concerning with how good of an offensive line they have and how well they run the ball. But if they're not going to pass it much, then I think we can lock down on that and, and stack the box. 
but I'd still feel a lot better if Tyler Davis was in there. <laughs> Indeed. We'll keep a close eye on that one. Um, you know, Ben, I think there were a few flashes where Clemson secondary uh, was not playing up to the standard that they had set for themselves earlier in the year. And with that said, I still think the secondary played a great game, especially in the second half. They settled in. Um, I think, you know, each of the guys had either a penalty uh, early on in the case of like Sheridan Jones or got burned on a, a long reception in the case of Darian Kendrick, uh, which was not ideal. But, you know, that still is a bright spot on this team. Nolan Turner, the guy is a ball magnet. I know that his interception was called back uh, due to a penalty, a, a bogus roughing the passer penalty, I might add. But uh, what a guy with the nose for the ball. Um, he, he's pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little soured on the secondary in this game. I think the talent's there, but the inconsistency, like guys getting behind them, the pass interference calls. And I know there were some great catches, like the one on Goodrich in the, in the end zone. Um, but yeah, good, it's, still, it's something there's a lot to be desired there. Yeah, there is some inconsistency, and it would Kendrick, I, I Kendrick to seemed to step slow in this game too, coming back after sitting out the Syracuse game. Yeah, I was gonna say there's some rust there for sure. Um, and it is one where you know, again, if Notre Dame beats you through the air and our secondary is not up to the task, like I almost say fair play to that, like. I, I still feel like that's the edge to Clemson um, in that matchup coming up this weekend, but down like as the season moves toward the playoff, you know, Alabama and Ohio state, you know, they definitely have the talent to beat you downfield. And um, this secondary is going to need to be sharp. And the secondary will certainly benefit again from better play across the, or more of a pass rush on the defensive line. Those two things just kind of go hand in hand. Ben, I know you, I know you rewatched the game. Did you see who was spelling Mike Jones Jr. at the Sam position just from a snap count? I know they, they had talked about doing some Tyler Venables, T-Bone in there uh, as well. I as, saw Simpson in there. Yeah, Simpson was in quite a bit. Yeah, I saw him in more often than not. Although I could have been looking at one Venables and thinking it's the other. Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean Jake. Jake was in on seemingly every play in this game. Yeah, he played a, the the linebackers played a really good game. Like I did not notice them being a liability in this one. So to be able to fill in for Skalski and and Jones in in that situation, I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I mean there there were a few instances of kind of poor tackling, um, and honestly, like Jerkovic in the running game, um, you know, displayed that the most. You are like, I don't want to keep making this about Notre Dame, but you are likely to see Ian Book scrambling. So um, hopefully there were some coachable moments out of, uh, out of tackling against Jerkovic in this one. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I kind of recall in this game thinking, yeah, the linebackers are definitely holding their own in James Skowski's absence. And uh, Brandon Spector, you know, continues to have an awesome year and, and rise to his, the peak of his ability. Um, so all in all, Ben, I mean, I think maybe the start of the game would have led us to believe this was a, an unfocused effort from the defense, but I actually think they recovered quite nicely very soon thereafter and um, had a good performance in this one. Why don't we touch on special teams here before we move, move on from the BC game? Again, we, we touched a little bit on BT Potter in the early going, hit a 33-yard field goal, hit a 50-yard field goal, um, flawless with the PAT, um, Special teams, 
otherwise, I mean, Will Spires, I don't know, Ben, had a pretty good game. I think we're spoiled at this point uh, with what we get from Spires. Well, that last punt to pin them at the four the, to set up the safety yeah, was, the rugby kick, was right? a thing of beauty. So, yeah, these are years where uh, – or these are times, you know, when you have so much youth in your team, albeit talented, where – having some veteran special teams guys who make a huge impact, the BT Potter 50 yard field goals and the 50 plus yard punts by Spires are pinning them within the five yard line, uh, flipping the field as far as field position is, is concerned. Like we have to remember that um, all those things are certainly going to be a factor as we get into these more high profile games, starting with Notre Dame next week is that these guys are huge assets. And we saw it in this game, and then also you kind of saw how desperate we were at coming out in the second half, having ETN back there returning uh, the only kick that we returned in the second half, replacing Lynn J. Dixon. And Hey, he ripped off a good one. I mean, and you're going to see that you might see it next week against Notre Dame, uh, him actually out there in the first half. So we did it the last year as we got into the playoffs. I would expect to see it again. Yeah. I know there's a burning debate on social media going between Spiller and ETN. You know, if ETN were to rip one, I know Spiller had multiple kick and punt return touchdowns in his career because um, that was that was part of his role and that we needed it at that stage. But I'd love to see ETN rip one. I think at this point, while I think it's obvious Travis ETN is the, the best running back in Clemson football history, CJ Spiller coming in a very a close but distant kind of second at this with just everything ETN has done. But I'll still give it to Spiller, best kick returner ever i mean that kid oh yeah with with what lesser talent around him probably the most important clemson recruit you've ever had you and i think like, i think he was doing that before we started putting starters out on the special teams after that one horrible year we had where we couldn't stop a, a kick return um, i can't remember if cj was still on the team but we we that was the point where we turned to actually so all starters played at least one special team position we've been doing it ever since so uh, I CJ, remember this CJ still the best in 2000. I remember special teams coverage being an issue in 2015, the national championship season where, and it may even have been before that, but yeah, there was sure one year. It was just God awful. As long as every kick was ran, run back on this. Yeah. Thank God they moved the, uh, um, moved the kickoff up to what the 35 and we got ourselves a BT Potter. It's no longer. That's an issue. right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's the BC wrap, you know, again, another Clemson win seventh of the season, uh, hats off to BC played a good one. We got their best effort, um, TBD on what they're able to do after this. Uh, we play Notre Dame this coming weekend and then they get Notre Dame the following weekend, I think in Boston or in Chestnut Hills. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see I, again, if Boston college plays like this and Notre Dame's coming off a body blow game against Clemson. Um, who knows, maybe they will get the, the top 10 upset that they were hoping for. All right, Ben. Well, why don't we wrap up thoughts looking ahead to the Notre Dame game this weekend? Um, top four matchup. This will actually be the highest ranked matchup in the ACC regular season of all time. Um, floating around Twitter last night, I saw... Um, some of the, some of the previous matchups and there's something like, I know, I know that Florida state and Clemson are the two most represented teams, um, both playing each other and playing other top 10 matchups. 
um, in their own right. And there've only been something like three ACC top 10 matchups that don't involve either of those two teams. Uh, but this one will be the most, I guess, highly ranked matchup. Um, what will also be interesting is this is Timber A is the Timber A stat. Um, this will be the first time a freshman quarterback will be favored on the road against the top five team ever. Uh, so pretty incredible, pretty remarkable for DJ. Yeah, well, really prestigious history there, history lesson of the ACC there. And I got to be honest with you, Notre Dame could win this game for sure. They're not the fourth best team in the country. They're just not. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, they're not a complete offense. And when you think about college football today, I mean, I guess, Ben, like, I'm not sure who you would. I mean, I might, who would you put as the fourth best team? Like, I'm not ready to pencil Georgia in for that either because they can barely score 14 points. I think. But they're not willing to score more than 14 points. A&M has played played. well. Let's see Cincinnati play Notre Dame. Like, seriously. Yeah. No, it's fair. I I guess what I'm saying is, like, they're fourth by default. Like, I don't necessarily know who – right after that that – and we knew this coming in. No, I'm fine. No, the rankings are what they are. I'm just saying they're not the fourth best team in the country. Yeah. I'm not sure who is. I mean, I just just think there's a huge cliff after three. And – they may, I mean, I, Georgia's not the fifth best team in the country either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, maybe this opens the door for Oregon. We'll see. They're going to have to look really dominant um, in order to uh, climb the rankings. But um, in any event, you know, this one's in South Bend. Um, more trivia here. Uh, this will be Clemson's first regular season matchup on NBC since the late 50s. And the color man for that game was Red Grange, who's like a legendary uh, football player from like the 40s, the 30s and 40s. So uh, it's been a while since we've been on NBC. Uh, it's going to be very biased toward toward Notre Dame, of course. It's like their home network. But um, in terms of this team, you know, we've played Notre Dame twice in the last five seasons. Once the most recently was in the Cotton Bowl. Um, Ian Book is our quarterback in that game. You know, they've definitely turned over a good amount of talent on both sides of the ball since then. Book is still the man. Um, Notre Dame actually had a really competent passing offense last season. And all their wideouts and their tight end and some of their O-line talent went into the NFL. And now they're looking for a new identity. They have a new offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, former quarterback from Notre Dame, is their OC. Um, they've had kind of a... a shifty season so far in terms of or kind of a lumpy season so far in terms of their offensive output. So I, I just, there, there are inconsistent still with Ian book. I think Notre Dame fans hate Ian book. Um, they'd probably gladly have Phil Jerkovic in there on um, a quarterback. You know, he transferred away from Notre Dame a couple seasons ago and, or actually this last season um, as a grad transfer, but in any event, um, yeah, they're, they're a run first identity on offense and they are a capable defense. I think that's the strength of their team. Um, they run a three, four, so three down linemen, uh, four linebackers. And um, they do have, I think his name is Ken Hamilton. He's basically a poor man's Isaiah Simmons. So sort of very versatile, uh, very dynamic, going to be involved all over the field. He's going to be one guy to watch in this game. And I think that he, he won't necessarily be matched up to spy uh, Travis Etienne, 
Um, they play, you know, in that, in that alignment, um, they have a buck linebacker position that is largely going to be tasked with typically covering the running back. And that is a position that, um, I think Clemson will be able to exploit kind of a linebacker on running back matchup, you know, with, with a capable back like ETN is going to be advantage Clemson all day. So, um, that's something I'm going to look forward to just as a key to this game. And again, like Clemson holding up on third down, I would say also, what do we get out of um, pressuring book and kind of keeping him in the pocket? Because he, he definitely scrambles and runs the ball um, with uh, very effectively. So Clemson's going to need to be, you know, really solid with tackling as well. Um, so they're not able to sustain drives and get those long conversions with Ian book's legs. Agreed on. So on defense, I, I expect Brett Venables to bring pressure all night long and make Ian book beat us through the air because he's not shown that he's capable of doing that. You mentioned the, the wide receivers that he's lost from last year. They've got two really good running backs uh, and Ian book and scramble. So I, I imagine that we're going to stack the box and we're going to, we're going to sell out to stop the run. Um, maybe you have a, you know, a linebacker spy on, on book to prevent uh, those, those scrambling runs. But I also think maybe you just kind of live with a, a, a few of those here and there. If you're being effective at stopping the run and they're unable to pass the ball again, mentioned it uh, a second ago, Brent Venables, you give him a one dimensional offense. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. He usually to, finds a way. Yeah. He usually finds a way. And I just don't think that uh, Brian Kelly is all that creative of a, you know, of a mastermind over there as a head coach uh, to significantly change up his game plan or find a way to be creative and have this offense be successful, more successful than they have been uh, this entire season. So, well, Ben, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Like the MO of Brian Kelly is that he does not make adjustments, right? He's not flexible. So I agree with you. I, yeah, I think you have to give the coaching edge to Clemson based on what we've seen from him and look, Notre Dame, you know, I think for a long time you would look at Notre Dame and say like, that's a program that always gets a little bit of a rankings boost. Um, you know, you, I know you, you came in saying they're not the number four team, but this is a solid program and there are 32 games since we beat them in the cotton bowl. They're 29 and three. And I think, I mean, I not, think that, yeah, they're a top 10 program, but there's still such a fall off between like the top five and the, and the, the, the top 10 or six yeah, through 10. Yeah year in and year well, out. I just, years, don't, I just don't think they're one of those elite teams. I agree with you. Like, and, and they're far from a complete team. So. Their record may be um, good recently, but they've been playing a lot of ACC teams. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think the only, the only thing in my mind that makes this matchup close where this can be a game where Notre Dame can win it is Clemson's availability of its talent. And we mentioned like the number of starters that, um, that have been out and we, we likely will be without a bunch of these guys this weekend. So um, it is going to be worth monitoring throughout the week. I think the most important impact player in this game that could go is Tyler Davis. I think behind him, like it's tempting to say Mike Jones Jr., but I actually feel like for Clemson to establish a dominant or at least a capable passing game downfield, I think Frank Ladson is actually a name that I would throw out there as critical to have him back for this game. Well, Trevor, <laughs> obviously he's not, well, we're not getting Trevor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel pretty good on defense. I don't think they're going to be able to light up the scoreboard on us. I think for them to be successful, they're going to have to find some way to have success in the running game. 
uh, whether it's trying to get the ball to the outside and not going up the middle of the defense. And then also hope they can hit on a few long passing plays. Um, Yeah. And then then on the offensive side of the ball, Travis Etienne is going to do what Travis Etienne does. I think that they need to get pressure on DJ. And I think that's going to be hard to do this, this, um, Offensive line has been really good at pass protection this year. And the plays that we saw in the Boston college game were just really quick throws. It got it out of his ball, uh, the ball out of his hand quick. So um, we'll see if they're able to do that and bring pressure um, or otherwise do some things up front on the line that confuses DJ. He's having to make some reads uh, that he's not comfortable with or used to. And, um, they're able to confuse him that way and get him to bite on some things and, and throw some bad balls. It could be intercepted. So uh, I think that's the way for them to beat us. I think they certainly can beat us. And I think one thing that would exasperate that or a couple things is again, all the mental errors that we've seen so far from these young guys, the penalties, uh, the poor tackling turnovers, yeah, just extending drives, extending drives, yeah. right? Those are the things that I think will, will come into play in this game. I think that if we can, if we win the turnover battle and we're not heavily penalized in this game, I think we win uh, fairly easily. And when I say fairly easily or maybe fairly comfortably, that being by two to three scores, I think if either one of those things happen, if we are heavily penalized in this game more so than them, if we lose the turnover battle, then I think it automatically becomes a much closer game. And I don't want to, I know I say they're not number 14, but they're still a good football team, a really good football team comparatively. So you can't take anything for granted in these games. And Clemson's going to have to come to play and expect another punch in the mouth. This Notre Dame team is going to be fired up. They're undefeated. They, that number four is still right next to their name. And they're not like me. They believe they're supposed to be there. So, um, yeah, you're going to have to come to play with your best. You're going to win this football game. So the matchup is set. It's going to be a night game in Notre at, in South Bend at Notre Dame. Um, should be a fun one, Ben. I mean, I know we we got a little bit of a taste of you know exciting regular season matchup with Miami. That one ultimately proved to be a laugher. You know, Clemson clearly was a superior team. We were not at full strength in that game, but pretty close. And you know, talent went out, but I actually think coaching and discipline went out even beyond that. Um, in this one, Clemson will be behind the eight ball a little bit, but we are clearly the more superior experience and better coach team. So I think that's where you actually could see this, you know, move in Clemson's favor. If DJ is able to, you know, continue to show that he's competent and can run this offense. And if he can make their throws and not get, you know, taken off off schedule by Notre Dame and what they're doing. Um, this could be, you know, a comfortable Clemson win. And you know, I think we're about a six and a half point favorite in this game going on the road with a true freshman quarterback in his second career start, you know, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but I think that's pretty appropriate. And I think if Trevor Lawrence was in there, some of the advanced lines was something like Clemson by 13 and a half or 14 or 14 and a half even. Um, yeah. I could see Trevor Lawrence, you know, being a touchdown more meaningful to this team than DJ is. Um, but I think really for me, the difference there is actually more that the defensive injuries end up. So I would not be surprised if this is a three to four score Clemson victory. I would also not be surprised if Notre Dame beats us. I would be surprised if Notre Dame beats us by two to three scores, but I would not be surprised if they win. 
Uh, I will think, say one thing that they were hoping was going to be on their side and in their favor. That's not going to come to fruition this Saturday. Is it the highest 70 and the lowest 54 in South Bend? So no winter weather. That's a good thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's overblown a little bit. The warm weather teams going to cold weather. Um, it's, it's football, man. But I agree. Like DJ's you know, like from, from Hawaii, played in California, grew up, played in California. Now at Clemson. I don't know. I'd be a little bit worried if it was snowing. That's fair. That's fair. Well, it's not. So we're good. True. <laughs> Travis Etienne's from Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These boys ain't used to the cold. Indeed. Uh, well, originally, Ben, I thought we were going to start getting into the college football playoff rankings around this time, but um, turns out they rescheduled that. It's not going to be for another three weeks. So November 24th will be the first announcement. Um, but anyway, this one looms large. This is a chance for Clemson to make a resume statement um, for this season. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit, if we do suffer this loss, it probably will not be, it definitely won't be an eliminator for Clemson. And it even is one of those losses that will come with an asterisk, especially if Trevor Lawrence is able to return this season because uh, he wasn't playing in this game and Clemson had other injuries. So I think it's, you know, I don't want to go in and be cavalier about, oh, we can lose this game. It doesn't even matter. That is not the case uh, because if Clemson can win with its backup quarterback and do so definitively, um, I think we lock up that one seed or that, you know, top number one team in the country, at least for a few more weeks. Um, I imagine Bama and Ohio State will both get their chance at um, some marquee matchups. Alabama already beat A&M, who's looking, you know, like they're going to solidify their place in the top 10 the rest of the year. And I don't know, man, like the big 10 may not actually keep that many ranked teams this season. They look a little bit like the sec in that the middle class and kind of the lower class are just bottoming out. Well, Indiana's ranked 13th. If that says anything for you. Yeah. Nothing good. Well, um, oh, poor Michigan. At least we don't have to talk about Michigan. It only took them two games. We don't have to talk about them anymore. Right. So they're out. Um, I mean, this does, and I think we've talked about it all year, Ben, like this opens the door for, and look, Wisconsin's going to be without really any quarterback. I mean, they're, they're going to have to probably play at least two weeks without um, either their second or their third string quarterback. Um, They could suffer one to two losses in those games um, real quick here and move, move, move down the pecking order. I mean, you could definitely see a world where the big 10, almost has like one or two at most ranked teams. That's kind of crazy. Um, considering all the hubbub there was about getting, you know, making sure the big 10 could finally play this season. Well, and it's but not so, does, yeah, I was going to say it's, it's not so much how many ranked teams they have. It's that their, their top teams have already lost one or two games. Penn state's Owen two Wisconsin is one and zero. but you mentioned that their issues at quarterback. So they're likely to lose here with them being an out for a few weeks. Um, and then Michigan with the loss. I mean, I suppose Indiana could run the table. That's yeah. highly unlikely. Yeah, super unlikely. And they're going to match up against Ohio State coming up here. So, like, I just think, I mean, and Michigan's already on the outs. They they lost to Michigan State at home. <laughs> so, again, like, Big Ten's not getting two teams in. I think if Ohio State, like, if they miss a game, we'll see it we'll see if they'll be able to get in. 
Um, and they can miss games not because of their own outbreak, but because of opponents. Like that's right. Well, one one outbreak on a team could cost three games with their three week uh, protocol for having twenty one day protocol. Yeah, the yeah. twenty one day protocol. So that that could cost three games. So that's you know not only the one team itself that would have to miss three games. So that's three opponents. Now whether they can reschedule those weekends to have teams play each other, you know, play another team twice, a couple of instances where two teams play each other twice. Um, I'm sure that they worked that out. I mean, it seems like they would do that instead of having those teams not play football that weekend. Right. If you have that opportunity yeah, shuffle still around. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's tough. So I think, yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's the group of five year. It's the group of fives year at this point, Ohio state likely the only one to come out of the big 10, the SEC still has a shot. You've got Florida and um, Georgia playing this weekend, but like one well, of that's them gonna be is, an eliminator because they both have already lost the game. Right. That that'll be an eliminator, and then whomever makes it to the SEC championship game is probably gonna be be beat again by Alabama. So this, I mean, the but SEC A&M, is one team. Clemson's only good. A and M is the one team I would look at. Like they've already lost Alabama, but. And you know, they're number seven. If they do run the table, they're going to move up like pretty sure. Yeah. But how confident are you that they're going to run the table? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, they I'd don't have to look at their they don't, schedule. They're at South Carolina, at Tennessee versus Mississippi versus LSU at Auburn. So they could be undefeated going into that Auburn game. Uh, they could also lose one along the way. Right. Um, yeah, I would but, say they. At worst, they're going to lose one more game, and if they do, they, all right, they're out. But and, and Trevor, Trevor being out this weekend makes it all that much more likely that the ACC could get to it because if Notre Dame beats us this weekend and they go undefeated the rest of the year, we went out and then beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. Then I could certainly see the ACC actually getting two teams in. Yeah, it could certainly happen. I I just feel for. I would love to see the G five get a team in, and honestly, like. Look, if AM looks dominant, they'd probably be pretty deserving. But if you, Cincinnati has just been lights out, like they have crushed teams. They look very, I mean, Cincinnati would probably, I'd love to see them play Ohio State. Like, let's yeah. see, let's see what happens there. Yeah, they've got two ranked wins. Um, none of the games have really been all that close. They don't have any ranked teams left on their schedule, but you'd have to give it to them for, for winning out and being undefeated. And then likewise, BYU, they actually do have a ranking on their schedule now with uh, Boise State coming up this weekend. And they right. only have two games to play after that with some uh, – there must be some pretty big gaps in between their schedule. There are. Looks like they have Yeah, a- so BYU is not in a conference. Right. So they're an independent. So that's where – that kind of explains why they've got a little bit of a light schedule. Um, but I think they'll still get 10 or 11 games in. Uh, they'll get 10. But um, okay. I guess the point being, there's more potential this year than there ever has been before just because right. of all the uncertainty and all the weird well, things that have happened this yeah. year and how many teams have been kind of knocked out so early. Like Who would see ben, Penn State Coastal, going to? Coastal Carolina, Ben. Let's not sleep <laughs> on the clears. They're ranked 15th. I mean, Appalachian State has dropped out of the rankings. I think they started the year in the rankings. I'm not sure if... Uh, Coastal is going to get the chance to play any any ranked matchups well, the rest of the way. Liberty is ranked 25th, and they played in the last game of the year. That's right. how weird. We that's go. how weird this game is, or this year is. I don't. Well, think, Liberty's got a Liberty beat Syracuse. Like they've got a Power Five win. Well, and they play and, they play Virginia Tech coming up uh, 
this weekend, and they have NC right, State later in the year. Yeah, and Coastal. Yeah, and so Liberty. I mean, shoot, let's watch Liberty on the <laughs> rankings here. That'd be crazy. I'll tell you this. Freeze. This year has been so horrible on so many levels that I can't. I mean, maybe like the, uh, um, kind of like the good karma that comes out of that for all of us having to go through this is that Coastal Carolina makes the playoffs before South Carolina does. Oh my gosh, maybe you just gold we got to make it happen yeah man i'm gonna this is fun i'm gonna start rooting for all these uh all these group of five teams like i'm well, over i'm over they're like fun to root for but yeah. their games are very exciting like dude, yeah. this is great it's great football so um i'm Marshall, all about it marshall's up there right smu yeah, six and one liberty how the hell did liberty <laughs> i'd so much rather see one of those schools get in than texas a and jimbo um I'm sorry. They got waxed by Bama. We don't need to see it again. I guess Jerry Falwell is really holding Liberty back there. Football. Yeah. Now he's out and here they go. It's six and oh. Um, all right, Ben, I guess looking back at this past weekend, uh, Ohio state got into action against Penn state. Um, I watched part of this game just to see, you know, how sharp Ohio state looked. I was expecting them to just pour it on Penn state. Like, I think they're going for style points right out of the gate because, you know, they may not get a full schedule in and they would really want to leave no doubt. So uh, they were not able to do that. And (laughs) Justin Fields is really talented, really capable. I kind of view him though, as, you know, kind of an opportunistic quarterback and he's sort of like, you know, kind of pejoratively in NBA circles, (laughs) fans will talk about like a regular season star. Um, like James Harden, Chris Paul, that kind of thing, where when the chips are down in the playoffs, you know, they're not necessarily the guy to step up in the moment. Um, we saw that in the playoff this last year, you know, Fields had two picks. I thought he stepped up pretty good. I thought he looked good though. He's solid. You know, he's great. I think if you're an NFL fan, getting your team to draft Justin Fields be, would be excellent. Um, but I, I think this Ohio state team has also lost a lot, you know, coming off of last year and they've played two games so far. Um, I don't think Penn state <clears throat> was, I mean, they were number 18 coming into this, this past matchup. They're probably fringe top 25 at this point. Um, but Ohio state's defense has definitely lost a lot. Um, Penn state kind of make it, made it an interesting game um, down the stretch toward the end of this one. One area that I, I noticed though, Ohio state was down is actually in their running game. And that's going to be something, I mean, JK Dobbins was such a force last year. Um, He punished Clemson early on in that matchup. And if that's not a component that they have to their offense, then I think you're going to start to see opposing DCs really key in on pressure for Justin Fields and, you know, getting the right number of DBs on the field to take away some of his receiving threats. Um, And that's where you can kind of force him into mistakes. So um, we'll keep an eye on Ohio State. They're definitely a formidable, you know, worth worthy top three team at this point. Um, we'll see how many tough matchups they they need to play this year the rest of the way. But uh, yeah, that's going to be one. I mean, that was one matchup I, I kind of kept an eye on this past weekend. Yeah, they kind of have an ACC ish schedule this year. Um, yeah, which is so ironic because they're they're all up in everybody's mentions about Clemson's, you know, cupcake schedule. Well, I mean, it's not complete. I mean, it's not their fault that um, Penn State falls apart here at the beginning of the year. They do not have Wisconsin on their schedule, but depending on where that would have fallen and if it was in the next couple of weeks, it wouldn't have meant much. 
Um, but when your teams playing the best right now are Indiana at two and O Northwestern at two and O Purdue two and O yeah, what's going on here? Um, that's not a good look, uh, for your conference. So I, I think that again, it's early season for them. They've only played two games, you know, think of, think of we were comparing, uh, Ohio state to the rest of the rest of college football, at the same point where everybody's in two games, you'd be looking at it with a different perspective. So I think we have to give them a chance to, to get going. They got a late start and just kind of get into the flow of things. And I think we can really start to make a judgment here as we get into their third and fourth weeks. I'm with you. Um, and we will get the PAC 12 back. One conference that is pretty much eliminated after this past weekend is going to be the big 12, uh, Texas, which already has two losses, went up to Stillwater and beat undefeated Oklahoma State, number six. Uh, Oklahoma State turned it over four times. I watched part of this game, Ben, and it seemed like every other play they were losing offensive linemen left and right. So um, this loss is probably not entirely reflective of their quality as a team, but it's going to be, I mean, I think they will have to run the table in convincing fashion to be able to even have a prayer at the playoff. Like In my mind, like they are the team that could still get in from the, the big 12. And um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to be up to, ta- up to the task of winning bedlam, you know, continuing to beat all the teams on their schedule. So I I'm ready to go ahead and say the big 12 is out. And I think we're already pretty down on the pack 12 um, having the resume to get any of their teams in possibly with the exception of Oregon, but they're going to have to also, you know, come in with, you know, some heavy firepower and put up some style points. Yeah. I think it's just going to be incredibly tough for them to get in a full football season without risk of missing games, just because there's no wiggle room there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think it's going to be tough for the PAC 12, but we also, we, we'd like to make these predictions of saying the big 12's out or the PAC 12 isn't going to make it because of this and that, but who knows? Yeah. Like this is, it's a year that's been impossible to predict. And so we'd be lying if, if we said we were hundred percent confident in our predictions. Yeah. Yeah. It, chaos can definitely ensue like of any year, like this is a year where we could see that. So um, we got to, got to take it one week at a time. And, you know, this coming week slate is actually, I think this past weekend people looked at as like, all right, it's kind of a boring, boring slate of games. This weekend is, is not boring. A lot of ranked matchups. Um, you mentioned BYU Boise state. That game's on Friday night, so that's gonna be really interesting to watch. Um, Michigan, Indiana—it's kind of like the you know middle class of the Big Tens matching up. But um, Clemson, Notre Dame—that's the nightcap. Earlier on in the day, um, you know, three thirty Eastern is the cocktail party. Florida, Georgia—no idea what to expect in this one, Ben. I mean, I think you you know Georgia—they're they're shtick at this point. Stetson Bennett's their quarterback. I don't know what's going on with their USC transfer JT Daniels, but I do know that Kirby smart has that offense just as slow and incapable as they were a year ago and conservative. And uh, that hasn't gotten the job done for Kirby thus far. Florida is much more potent offense, but the last thing I remember was, you know, watching South Carolina and other teams just run all over Florida. And you remember Texas A&M beat them. Florida's defense is pretty challenged. So I think this is, this is kind of just like mismatch of styles coming together in this game. Um, this is going to be a pretty good kind of appetizer for Clemson fans going into the Notre Dame game to watch. 
this one's pretty much an eliminator. You know, the loser of this is likely not going to be able to bounce back to win the East. The winner is in the driver's seat to face off against Alabama, most likely in the SEC title game. Uh, so that's probably one to watch, but I expect that to be a pretty ugly game. I got to go with Florida at this one. They got it at home. I'm not confident in Georgia's offense being able to score at um, at a pace to keep up with Florida is going to be able to do. You know, we talk about Georgia's uh, defense and how good they are, and they have been this year for the most part, aside from giving up 41 to Alabama. They've been a really good defense, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's – I mean, I give the edge to Florida, but, yeah, I think it might be kind of just kind of a grinded out low-scoring game. Yeah, Georgia's favored by three and a half. So uh really wow. Do with that do with that what you will. So it's gonna um, be uh three and a half to zero. <laughs> yeah. Clemson, uh we're at a five and a half at this point. I think it opened at six and a half. So there's a lot of money going on to uh Notre Dame. No no surprise there. Um I don't know, Ben. Any other games catch your eye for this weekend? Oh, look at that. Oregon does play this weekend. So they're playing Stanford. Yeah, they- Yep. Yeah. yeah so they're, they're, and it's on at four thirty our time because they're not playing night games. I'm not going to watch it then. That's <laughs> we'll be busy yes. watching Clemson. It's opposite Clemson, so yeah, we probably will not will not catch that one. Um, yeah, Co- Coastal plays South Alabama. There you go. There's another game. But that one. That one's also opposite our game. So uh, have to root for the clear. Well, if I had my choice. Um, I would turn one of the uh, peripheral TVs onto the coastal game ahead of the Oregon game, but I'm not going to have my choice because Oregon Stanford, um, the, the Clemson bar owner is a duck, a duck. So fans go there. Then obviously Stanford right down the road in Palo Alto here, not far from San Francisco. So don't imagine we'll be able to see the coastal South Alabama game, but I also imagine that my attention is going to be solely on Clemson Notre Dame because Again, I think we can win by by three touchdowns, but I think it if we do, we pull away late, and it's not one where, uh, you know, game's over by halftime, right? Like I just don't feel confident in that, and I think we, um, you know, as much as we don't think Notre Dame is a complete football team, they're still a pretty good football team, if not a very good football team. Um, and we're just kind of doing them a disservice to think that without Trevor, without possibly yeah. Tyler Davis, definitely without James Skalski, that we're going to be able to go in there into their stadium and wax the floor with them. Yeah, you can't disrespect an opponent like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an awesome matchup. Um, very memorable game coming up here. Also, I mean, Ben, I know we mentioned the Miami game, but – I would say this one is just about as meaningful a regular season matchup as we've had since Louisville in 2016. Um, at that point though, we did have divisions in the ACC and that the stakes were a lot higher. I think if Clemson had dropped that one to Louisville, we weren't sure if we were going to get you know a chance to win the ACC and a chance to get back into the natty picture. Uh, whereas I think this year we assumed we would be able to have that chance. Um, you just never know, though. You could have more COVID outbreaks on the team later on and lose the pit or lose the Virginia Tech. It's, so. it's less of a big game for us than it is for Notre Dame because should Notre Dame lose this game, knowing that we'd have Trevor back in the ACC championship game, like, you know, it's, if, if we beat them with DJ, they're not beating us when we have Trevor. 
Um, whereas we could, we could drop this game with Trevor out, went out, beat him in the ACC championship game. And we're in most likely, I would think. I mean, Oh yeah. Unless it's our defense. That's the problem. And Notre Dame somehow is scoring all over us. And you can't point to Trevor being the reason why we lost this game. Um, unless that happens, then I, I see us still as being in with one loss at that point. Yeah. And look, we're at the point where I feel comfortable admitting like Clemson is a blue blood in this college football playoff era. Like we will get the benefit of the doubt of the doubt, even if there is, you know, a lapse on defense in one game like this. We and, get the benefit of the doubt to the point that if Notre Dame wins this weekend, but then we go and blow them out in the ACC championship game with Trevor and only one of the two teams gets in, it's going to be Clemson ACC champion. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So uh, whether that's right or not, I don't know, but I think, I think I agree with you. What um, have you done for me lately? Yeah. Only one team gets in. I don't what have care you what done happened against, five weeks ago. What have you done against big, big teams and big matchups in bowl season? Notre Dame, not much. I won like, yeah, that too. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, big one this weekend. Looking forward to it. Obviously, there's an election going on. You know, everyone stays safe. Hope people are able to get out and vote if that's what you want to do. Um, as far as Clemson and the podcast, hopefully everybody's ready for some football at the end of the week. It's going to be a crazy week. Uh, we are going to be keeping our eyes peeled on the injury report and things coming out of, out of the team regarding availability of guys like Mike Jones Jr. and Tyler Davis and Frank Latson and Joe Ngata. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you all want to banter along with us, we are on Twitter, Facebook. Um, tell a friend about the show, rate and review us on iTunes. Every rating helps, every rating counts. We appreciate that. We appreciate all the support and word of mouth engagement. This is really fun. We're so glad to be able to do this and, and, and share our thoughts and ideas with the Clemson Nation. Uh, so we appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, ben, that's all I got for this week. You good? Yeah, I just wonder if Notre Dame fans are any more or less confident after seeing uh, Boston College play Boston College play us so close this past weekend. Oh, they were looking because, their chops. Well, if I were them, I'd watch how DJ played. And after watching mm-hmm. that performance from him, I'd be less confident. Also, now that we actually know how to pronounce DJ's name, Yonga, uh, see, it's even harder. After I heard him say it, it's harder for me to say it. We were saying Yuyanga Lele, and it's really Yuyanga Lele. Yeah, it's Lele. Right. Yuyanga Lele. But, but even then, you notice how the announcers say it different every single time they say it. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, takes DJ, a lot of repetition. DJU it is. DJ, DJ, DJU. DJU. Going with that. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I agree, Ben. I, I think, if anything, the, the ND fan psyche right now is like, they're looking more at what BC's offense did against our defense than actually what, what we get with DJ. But um, I don't. I, I think it's false confidence to, to be able to to have you know to think that they're just going to walk away with this game. Yeah, so, they should go watch their offense. All right. Well, uh, we will be back to recap the Notre Dame game. Hopefully, a Clemson win. And then who do we have after that? It's a bye week, right? Bye week. Excellent. So continue to get healthy, gear up for the last stretch of the season. Um, so we'll be back to recap Notre Dame probably right after that game. And we'll take a week off here at the podcast, but, um, thanks everyone for tuning in, sticking with us. And as always go Tigers. 